Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. Tonight, we have a wonderful guest, but it's an interesting kind of turnaround here because Becca Keating is a prolific author. She's written six books, and she came tonight uh, to interview me for her newest book. So I'm going to be the guest on my own show. Go figure. So buckle up. You're in for a treat. She's an amazing woman. Where do you see what takes place? Here we go. matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, folks. As I said earlier, Becca Keating is, well, she's supposed to be our guest, but in reality, I'm going to be your guest because yes. uh, we met at the American Renewal Project. That's right. And you're a prolific author. And then I got a text from Pastor Jack Hibbs at, at uh, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, uh -huh. my hero, by the way. <laughs> and he said, Rob, I, I want you to interview uh, with Becca for her new book. Okay. And when Jack says jump, I say how high. So... <laughs> But I'm so yeah, thankful yeah. that we got to refresh how we connected. Yes. And uh, more than just being a prolific, prolific author, uh, you're the, the mother of three daughters, all who walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And as the Apostle John said, I know no greater joy than to see my children yeah. walk with the Lord. That's so true. Amen. So true, yeah. And you were a pioneer in the sense that in the 80s, you were doing homeschooling. I was. Can yeah. you believe it? Yeah. Well, and that got you into the political world. It did. It did. Be because there was pushback mm -hmm. with the homeschool community, mm -hmm. and you were seeking politicians to support your efforts. Mm -hmm. You saw the direction of the public schools, <laughs> and that public schooling wasn't anything that your children were subject to, and that homeschooling really established them, and they're all I, doing I great. I believe so. I, I do believe so, yeah. You have a good memory. Well, I, that's my job. <laughs> Uh, no, good I have, job. My wife says I'm a storehouse of worthless knowledge. No, she doesn't say that. I say that about myself. And she says, no, you aren't, dear. Oh, yeah, you, you remember good things. Yeah. I, I, was, I was really taken aback by the, the, the fact that all three of your daughters are in ministry. 
Uh, two of them are married. Mm -hmm. uh, one who isn't married works with uh, uh, Joni Erickson Tata. Yes, uh -huh. just down the street. Just down the street. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, I, I'm I, I'm going to be the guest on my own show. Yeah. You wanted to interview me. I do. And I, I do. I, you must be really hard up to <laughs> uh, be seeking. I, I mean, seriously, I can cure insomnia. I, I know. You know why I want to interview you? Because my next book coming out is Life After Loss. And what I remember hearing from you at the American Renewal Project was your experience, and I want you to share that with us, how you, God put you on a different uh, channel to run for political office, and it wasn't so successful. <laughs> so can you just begin to tell us that story as if you were on the stage of American Renewal Project? Well, you're not only a good author, you're a good interviewer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I don't remember reading the mm. Bible or praying with my parents. I, we did have a memorized prayer that we said a few times at the dinner table. I, I still can remember Rub -a -dub -dub, it. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks to the grub, that uh, one. <laughs> uh, sit thou with us, a silent guest, our friend and scene, who we love best, yeah. and by thy presence make us feel true happiness throughout this meal. Wow. Amen. That's all I remember. Mm -hmm. But I, I came to Christ uh, in college, and... Uh, the one thing that my parents did instill in me, my dad was a naval officer. Uh -huh. My mother was the president of Republican Women's there in Coronado, Smart California. Woman. So we were always involved in politics as a family. I'd walk mm. precincts. I met Reagan when I was, gosh, 10. Wow. Uh, he, he signed his Lucky autograph. You. Yeah. He said, oh, best wishes, Robert McCoy, Ronald Reagan. Rub my head. <laughs> yeah. uh, my joke is, what he didn't realize back then was that he was endorsing me today. So, yeah. 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 Uh, and my dad ran for city council twice. So when I came to Christ and then came into the ministry after a season in the industry working consumer products, uh, I just wondered why the church seemed to have abdicated its mm. responsibility because I was raised with that instilled in okay. me. So even back when, when I was just starting out as the senior pastor of this church, they called me the political pastor. And I've pastored here for about 20 years. I bring candidates in. Oh, excellent. During election cycle, I'd, I'd make sure everyone was registered. Excellent. And when the IRS would say, you can't do that, I'd, I'd do my sermon and mail it into the IRS. <laughs> they come get me because they have no right to do that. Yeah. So, you know, it was for some folks, because we've all been indoctrinated that somehow we're not supposed to be involved in politics, which is such a lie yeah. from the enemy. Yeah. Politics is the highest form of community combines morality with sociability. Mm -hmm, That's what mm -hmm. Aristotle said. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point where I'm just watching everything I'm voting for losing. And, and I couldn't comprehend the party and the decline of mm. the conservative movement, which was once a bastion in California. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I decided uh, I was, it, it began with a trip to Israel. I was a teaching pastor mm. with Governor Rick Perry, who was considering oh, running Rick. for president. Yeah. And I, uh, David Lane had asked me to be the teaching pastor for a group of Texans going mm. with Governor Perry to just enjoy the Holy Land and then also consider uh, a run for the presidency. And uh, one of the folks that came was at the time an assembly member from California who was good friends with Governor Perry, and that was Shannon Grove. Mm. And she's out of Bakersfield. Mm. And... She saw that in each of the holy sites, I would incorporate American history and liberty in conjunction with the sites, for example, the Mount of Beatitudes and things of that sort. 
And she was intrigued by it. She came up to me and she said, do you know who your supervisors are? And I listed their names. She said, do you know who your council members are? I listed their names. Oh, good for you. She said, do you know who your wow. state assembly member? And I, and I knew them. And she said, um, Jeff Gurrell, who's my seatmate, I sit next to him mm. in the assembly, is going to run for the congressional seat. Mm. I want you to run for his seat. Mm. I really feel like God's telling you. Oh, no, God's telling me to tell you. Yeah. And I said, well, I wish he'd talk to me first. <laughs> I know, seriously. And I didn't know my Always elbow good. from my earlobe mm. when it came to politics mm. in, in regards to running for office. Okay, right. But I prayed about it. My wife prayed about it. We both had a peace. Mm. Um, everyone said your church would decline in attendance and giving would drop, which, you know, it did. It did. A little bit. A little bit. Mm -hmm. And folks just said, you know, I'm, I remember one Easter, a man left. He just said, I can't believe you're political at Easter. I said, it tied in with the text. What, what's oh. your problem? But <laughs> So um, I ran for the California State Assembly. And, and I was waiting for God to give me a verse. What year was that? 2014. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for the Lord to give me a verse. And the verse he gave me, I think it was Job 13, 15, just off the top of my head. I know what it says. It says, Yea, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Mm. And I thought that the Lord spoke to me that it's going to be really tough. But you'll... You, yeah. And then the other one was, run in such a way as to win. Mm. Love that. So I, I felt like I heard from him. I knew I did, actually. Mm -hmm. And we went for it. <laughs> and uh, I went through three or four campaign consultants and two campaign managers. Maybe three. <laughs> And, and I, I, I learned the nasty side of politics mm -hmm. that, you know, consultants just whip their, that mule. They don't care if it wins. They just want to get the money out yeah. of it. Yeah. And there's a lot of power and money in politics. Mm -hmm. And they use candidates. to. It's kind of like a, a multi-level hmm. uh, marketing hmm. where you ask all your family and friends first, and then they take that money, and then you quit the program. and. There. And these multi-level marketing organizations profit from that. So I you ran were. for the state assembly. The Republican Party came after me in the primary. They spent a million dollars against me and put up a candidate two days before the filing period closed. It was just me and another, uh, the, and the Democratic candidate. And didn't they even say, you can't run because you've never run before? Well, it's no, like, they, they won't tell you not to run. Uh-huh. But there were three can three Republican candidates. Two of them backed out. One declared bankruptcy, and the other one mm. joined our campaign. So I was the the last man standing, ready to contend. And I had raised uh, probably a little over a hundred thousand mm. dollars, which was quite a bit. I was mm -hmm. I was a good fundraiser, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. It's a yeah. lot of hard work. Yeah. I mean, there's good candidates out there. Mm. Or let me correct that. There would be some really good legislators out there. They would make great legislators, but they're terrible candidates because mm. they don't do the hard work. Mm. So um, I'd raised that money, and then two days before the filing period closed, they looked at me as a white evangelical minister, too conservative for the district, and Oxnard's plus 21 Democrat, mm. uh, and it's Hispanic in a large population. So they put up, a, I think, a 26-year-old Hispanic by the name of Mario de la Piedra. Really cool guy. I like him. I haven't mm. talked to him in a while, but we became good friends. And uh, they gave him a million dollars in a primary. Now, I've been a Republican longer than I've been a Christian. Oh, no. I've been a Republican longer than I'd been a husband or a father. Yeah, right, right. I, and, and my own party that mm -hmm. I'd been faithful to since I could vote mm -hmm. when I voted for Reagan right. as president came against me. I was just stunned by it. In a primary, you're supposed to just let cream rise to the surface. You know, that's mm -hmm. the purpose of a primary. Mm -hmm. But the party spent that money. 
and came after me hard, attacked our church, attacked the school, attacked everything. And I ended up beating him and uh, had to raise more money because that primary was tough. And I went against the Democrat candidate, uh, uh, Jackie Irwin, mm-hmm. who I consider a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had 650 volunteers and we worked our tails off. I raised an, about $2 million, which is, if you look at assembly races, that's good. And didn't your congregation, they walk precincts? They Not just our calling. congregation. At the time, our congregation was maybe... 250, 300 people, uh-huh. and we had 650 volunteers. So oh, wow. it was the largest grassroots campaign, I, I was that. told, in, in the last 20 years of California politics. There's a, there a lot of excitement. Yes, yes. And I was convinced we were going to win. Mm-hmm. And we went in that night to mm-hmm. the election, um, and I lost. And the turnout for the evangelical community was dismal. It was just okay. awful. Oh, dear. Uh, pastors that I had, mm-hmm. I had been with for years building a relationship because I had came here in 2001 it was 2014 mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. They, they wouldn't even let me come into their church to pray for me I didn't ask to speak just pray for me I'm asking to be a missionary in the halls of government right 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 excellent they, they wouldn't do it there's just an oh. anathema to anything political oh. and the turnout in the Christian realm you've, you've probably heard the the numbers but it's estimated 15 million 280,000 mm-hmm. evangelical Christians in California half of them aren't registered to vote I heard that. I heard that there are more Christians in California than any other state yep. of the Union except for Texas. Yep. And they, they just don't participate yeah. in the political process. Where are they? And we lead the nation in abortion, <sighs> transgender bathroom bills, oh, the yeah. sex, sex ed curriculum that is yeah. secular progressive, the, the worst. We lead the nation in poverty, homelessness. That's all because of bad yeah. government. Uh, and no representation of those right. that would have values. And well, they, they have no representation because they don't vote. That's it? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Uh, and here's, here's the kicker. Uh, of the half that are registered to vote, uh-huh. only half of those vote in a presidential election. That's true. Yeah. And 12% in a non-presidential yeah. election. And they complain about the decline of California. Well, hey. There it is. In your absence, they've filled that void. Yeah. Yeah. You've been yeah. given... A form of government that requires participation because it's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Yes. So I lost that night and I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. Hmm. I remember it was 3 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. before I, I... Got the news? Well, no, I, I'd, I'd seen the writing on the wall, but I sent a text to Jackie and, hmm. you know, I, I acknowledged defeat and congratulated her. Uh, I, well, it was slim, though, wasn't it? About, I think about 4,000 votes yeah, and over 100,000 casts. But the disappointment was the absence of evangelicals. Uh, yeah, I bet. Uh, my Mormon friends were far more participatory than the churches were, yeah. it, meaning the other, the other houses of faith. Yeah. And, and I, I, just, I just didn't get it. You know, mm-hmm. I just said, Lord, I feel like I've, I've led these folks on a rosy road to nowhere. And I remember it was 3 o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> and I was lamenting, and I was, I was crestfallen, I was exhausted, and the Lord said, do you remember the verse? <clears throat> Job, right? I said, yeah, I remember it. Yea, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Oh. But God, I didn't think that meant I'd lose, mm-hmm. because you said run in such a way as to win. Yeah. He said, you did. Yeah. But I had other things in store for yeah. you. And I... It took me a while to lick my wounds and process that. And, and anyone who's ever run hard in a campaign and lost, it's, it's exhausting. Mm. And these folks, bless their heart, they, they were so inspired and so excited that they said, 
we want you to run for the seat that your opponent vacated. She was a city council member, mm -hmm. a really good one. Mm -hmm. And thousand Oaks. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, I just don't think I have the energy. Mm -hmm. And they said, we'll do it. <laughs> they rallied around yeah. you and cheered you on. Come on. And, and I got the energy and I started mm -hmm. doing what was necessary and I became a good candidate. And there were some really tough opponents that had served on the planning commission and had been oh, supervisors right. and city council members before. Right. Had a lot of experience and I was the dark horse. Uh, but mm -hmm. I ended up that night on election night behind again. And I just said, I'm not doing this again, <laughs> Lord. And a, a man by the name of Tom Hunt, uh, I love this man, him and another guy, Nick Ochoa, Ron Gerber, I'm just going to call them mm -hmm. the three horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> or Huey, Dewey, and Louie, or Manny, Moe, and Jack. Okay. But I want to begin with Tom because he's, he's older than I am, and he'd had a stroke, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm the pastor of the church he attends. And this was before the election. I went to visit him in the hospital, and he couldn't speak. His face was paralyzed. Oh. And it was hard to understand him. He was mumbling, and I had to lean in, and he said, Rob you need to run for office. And this was before Shannon told me to run. He said, you need to run for office. And if God heals me, I'll make phone calls for you. Oh, wow. And that man, I think in that election, he made 30,000 phone calls No for way. Me. Oh my goodness. Nick Ochoa, retired police wow. officer, uh, walked tens of thousands of homes with his friend Ron Gerber. Hmm. Countless others did the same. Mm. I remember walking out with a, mm the walk sheets of each of the precincts. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm going everywhere and raising money and I'm on the phone and I'm, mm -hmm. and I, now I gotta walk the precincts and Nick comes up to me and go, because the party says, you gotta walk precincts, otherwise we won't give you anything. Oh. Nick goes, give me that. <laughs> you go raise money, I'll take care of this. I'm good for you. I share all that because when, when that second election hit and I was behind on election mm -hmm. night, Tom Hunt came to me and he said, Rob, you're going to win tomorrow. Love it. And I said, Tom, how do you know that? And he said, I think I made 1,200 calls in the last mm -hmm. 24 hours. Yeah, you all said. And I tallied what they said. <gasps> and sure enough, I, I was down over 150 votes mm -hmm. and I ended up winning by 52. Oh, wow. You know Every they, vote counts. Well, you know what they call oh, the person goodness. who wins by 52 votes? Winner? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's John F. Kennedy's yeah. line. <clears throat> he said the person who wins by the slimmest of margins is the winner. Still the winner. And then uh, I served well, won re-election by over 4,000 votes. Mm. Um, learned a tremendous amount. It made me a better minister because in a pluralistic wow, society. that's an interesting yeah. perspective. In a, in a pluralistic society, you start to realize that you're, you're ministering to the entirety of the community. Mm -hmm. And in that second term of office, we, um, we cycle the position of mayor. You hold it for one year, and the council members vote on who'd yeah. be the next. It's usually by you know, order of service. Uh -huh. And I became mayor pro tem in line to become mayor. And at the conclusion of my term as mayor pro tem on November 8, 2018, there was that horrific shooting mm. at the borderline. Yes. Where 12 of our young people were killed. Yes. Two of them at the time were from our congregation. I officiated mm -hmm. uh, two of the memorial services. I was with the family members the night that, or the, actually late into the morning of the following day when they were notified that their yeah. children were. Yeah. 
the victims. Um, and then I became mayor early that December, so yeah. less than a month later. And um, we had a lot of healing. To, to so you was in a position of, of a, quite a mix. You were the mayor at that point, but also a minister. <clears throat> and so how did that play out? You Didn't you do a couple of the funerals even? Yeah, I officiated uh, two of the memorial services, attended all of them but one. Mm. And, and, you know, God bless all of our mm. um, elected officials because they all attended as well. We, we came together as a city because not Excellent. only we had the shooting, but we had those horrific fires, fires that surrounded our city. Yes. People were displaced. We had evacuation centers. Mm. It, it was just, it was three days from hell. Mm. And, and for the families, that continues on. Yeah. Every anniversary is tough. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, a, a lot of folks bemoan the fact, believing that there's a separation of church and state, and, and there is. You keep the state out of the church, but not the yes. church out of the state. Cause, there you go. That's you know, a good point. My convictions come from my belief, so yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how they process that. Mm. But um, they bemoan the fact that a minister was holding office, and the local paper, you know, the things that were published, it was just frustrating. But that night, when it all came down, and they, I think that's shooting. Yeah, I, I think a lot of folks were thankful. Yes, that I was there. Yes. Oh my goodness, I know uh, one of my uh, chapters in the book is a gal who <coughs> lost her friend in the borderline shooting. So this is going to be a nice, what do you call it? A what dovetail. A, yeah, it's dovetail to your story as well. How you ministered because you're. I actually mentioned you in that chapter. Uh, and so this will really make it uh, wow. complete. It'll be a great addition. But one of the things that happened, what year was that? That was two years ago? Three years uh, ago? 2018, so it'd be three years ago, yeah. coming up on the third anniversary. Um, and so it's at one point you were uh, able to have a park, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. So when the, the Sandy Hook shooting occurred, mm. uh, to this day there still isn't a memorial park mm. because people want to profit from a community's grief. And oh. So you get carpetbaggers coming in mm. to ply their political trade. Mm. And we had a little bit of that, and it really affected our chief of police at the time, which broke my heart because he's such a neat man. And it was a conservative organization that, you know, just, it was awful. Mm. But we, we came together and said, no, we're going to mourn as a community. Mm. We're not making this political. And we pushed... Uh, and I, I just said, look, whatever it takes, we are going to have that park dedicated mm. on the one-year anniversary. Excellent. And uh, Excellent. the Parks and Rec, Jim Friedel, the council, uh, the city manager, uh -huh. they moved heaven and earth. And oh, it, is, wow. it is a remarkable park. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, too many cooks spoil the dish. We left it real simple. The property is, is donated by the Parks and Rec and they're going to design it, and the city's going to pay for it. Okay. And that's all there is Bingo. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! And it happened. I exactly. mean, it was like, and you helped dedicate it. Is that right? Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the commitments was nobody's name would be on it because mm. it was a memorial strictly for oh. the victims and the survivors. Right. And oh, uh, we didn't survivors. want elected officials, plaques, or anything mm. along those lines. Mm. And it was a really profound day. Um, very touching, and I, mm. I was honored to be a part of that. Mm, yes, I bet. Very God-ordained event and uh, time in your life. And then as uh, time progressed, 
So did things in the United States, like in yeah. 2020. Yeah. What happened then? You had a church still. Yeah, so I, I finished my term as mayor uh, December of 2019. Mm -hmm. I began my last term, it's a four-year term, and my, my last year of that four-year term was on the city council in 2020. Mm -hmm. And I'm up for re-election in November of 2020, and, and I, I'm going to win. Oh. I mean, I... Everybody loves you. Well, yeah. it, we just, there was a unity yeah. that was really precious. Excellent. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, uh, and then the governor says on April 3rd, actually a little bit before that, as we were coming into our Holy Week. Oh, yes. Holy cow. And we okay. celebrate uh, the Sacrament of Communion as a, as a, a, um, a fellowship the first Sunday of every month. Mm. So April 3rd was a Saturday. The governor had said that abortion clinics were essential meaning you could rip apart a child in its mother's womb and flush the parts into the sewer systems of California. That's essential. Cannabis distributors are essential. Liquor stores are essential. Costco, Target. Mm. But the church isn't essential. Yeah. Now, the church is covered by the First Amendment, and exactly. the press that's covering is covered by the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And he's telling me we're non-essential. No governor has the right to tell someone that they can't worship the Lord or even where and when. Right, exactly. Now, we will abide by the same standards, mm. but we're essential. Mm-hmm, totally. And so he said there will be no communion service and no gathering. But you can do it at Costco and you can do it, <laughs> but you can't do it in a church. Yeah. So we followed CDC standards and we decided that week that we were gonna follow CDC standards. Our sanctuary holds 400. We were gonna have 10 seats and it would ultimately take us over three hours to do communion for everybody. Because huh. you're going to space it out? Yeah, you yeah, have six feet sanitized. apart, you sanitize the seats mm -hmm. after they get up. And we were, I mean, it, it hit the press, and we didn't do a press release. It got out somehow. I didn't do it. No one on staff mm -hmm. did it. But when I saw it show up in the London papers, oh. I realized, and people were texting me copies of it, I thought, tomorrow's going to be a zoo, uh -huh. and that was Sunday. And I also realized that the council would have to censure me because mm. the 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 just vi uh, virulent is that the right word? They, they were just vicious in oh. their comments on social media. Many folks and super spreaders, and they're going to oh, right, kill right, everybody. Right. And right. and yeah. I knew that they'd have to censure me because I'm violating a county order and a state order mm. that was in violation of the constitution. Yeah. They all swore to defend. So mm. did I. And I, I love the city. I knew that they were under unbelievable constraints by the county and the state pressure, like you can't imagine. So was our city manager. And the last thing they needed was to have to deal with this mess. Plus, I was a little disappointed that they didn't. It's called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, that mm. you swore to defend that constitution against all enemies. So you push back against the county. You push back right. against the state. You push back against the right. federal government. And they crumbled. Well, I, I just... Love hopes all things. I, I, I think mm. they just didn't know. Mm. They, they swore to defend a constitution they haven't maybe read. Oh. I mean, if you were asking how many articles are there, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if they knew. Uh -huh. How many amendments are there? I'd be shocked if they knew. Uh -huh. They're sweet people, uh -huh. and they love the city. Yeah. They just don't realize what they've sworn to defend. Yeah. So I resigned. I called the yeah. city manager late Saturday night, and I said, look, I hate to do this to you, but I'm not budging. And... Mm. This is critical because... It's essential. Yeah, if we don't defend liberty, 
we have nothing. Mm -hmm. And I can't continue in office hmm. violating my oath of office. So I resigned. And um, that was April 4th, that Sunday we did communion, the press descended on us. Mm -hmm. And to their credit, they reported it was probably the cleanest place in all of Ventura, <laughs> if not California. Uh -huh. um, we had protesters and everything. And then we continued to broadcast an FM uh, station There's... to the parking lot. Oh, okay. So Great. that people could listen by their cars. We did a live stream on YouTube so that people who were shutting mm -hmm. could do it. We followed that. We honored it because we didn't know the severity of the virus at the time. But then... When the riots hit LA, 75% of the businesses that were burned and looted were Jewish owned and targeted. Yeah. No masks, shoulder to shoulder, yeah. no social distancing, and the governor praises them. At that point I realized we'd already had, I think at that point, 12 doctors on our live stream. We'd have the Diamond Princess data. We, we knew how the virus operated. We knew who was targeting. We, we, we had that down. Mm, the stats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we just said, look, we're opening. Mm. And it was no mass, mm -hmm. no social distancing. We'll have ionization machines, UV lights. We'll still broadcast in the parking lot if you, you want to be out there. And we'll still broadcast at home if you want to be there. Mm -hmm. But the government's not in control of how you worship or when you yes. worship. Oh, hallelujah. And they can't use a virus that has over a 99% survival rate in our county as an excuse to violate our inalienable rights. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And you know what? This is the other part. You don't call the church non-essential. It's the bride of Christ. Exactly. You call my exactly. wife of 31 years non-essential, mm. you'll be picking up your teeth with your broken <laughs> arm, right? And, and the other thing, too, is when, when we realized that we were going to open, we did it for this reason. People said, well, you don't love your neighbor. You're violating the mm. second greatest commandment. The first is love the Lord your oh. God with all your heart, soul, yeah. strength, and mind. And the second is love your neighbors yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Mm. Even the judge that um, authorized the, the restraining order, he even invoked the second great commandment uh -huh. to my attorney. Doesn't Satan do that, though? He uses the word of God and eh, twists it a little bit. Yeah, well, I think he, I think he meant well. <laughs> yeah. Because he was saying, look, this is the issue. You're, you're not loving your neighbor. And my comment mm. to him was, Your Honor, we are loving our neighbor. We love, we, we love the abused who have been quarantined with their mm, abusers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the two mandated reporting agencies, churches and schools, have been shuttered. They have nowhere to go. Yeah. We love the elderly who have had to die alone for a virus that has a 99% survival To me, that is criminal. Yeah. That was. We love the business owners. Estimated 60 mm. to 65% of the restaurants in this county will never mm. reopen. We love them. Okay. We love them to the point where it's coming at a cost to us. Mm -hmm. Suicide, too, wasn't it? Highest number of opioid deaths mm. ever recorded in American history in a 12-month period. Child abuse in our county, yeah. uh, the figures I hear are over 300% increase. Mm. We do yeah. love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. you, man is a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. You mm -hmm. need church. You need mm -hmm. fellowship. Immunity by community. First time in the history of the country that we isolated and quarantined in a virus. A virus yeah. will do what a virus does. Yeah. It's just how it is. The most protected human being on the planet. Mm. You can't come into his presence without a swab up your nostril. The President of the United States still contracted COVID. Mm. It's going to do what it does. Yeah. 
And, and the lion's share of the people who contracted it didn't even know they had it, a, a, a virus so deadly, you had yeah. to be tested to know you have it. So we opened up wide, May 31st, Pentecost Sunday, and they waited until middle to late August to get three of the five county supervisors who just disdained the fact that we would disobey their tyrannical orders. And they used taxpayer money to hire an attorney really? to seek a, an emergency temporary restraining order. They found a political and predictive judge. Mm. We hadn't had a single case of COVID up to that point. Of course not. But it was still an emergency. Mm. And they hit us with it. And they named me and a thousand congregants or visitors would be given a citation. Now those citations aren't a slap on the wrist. If you have an NROTC scholarship and you get a citation, you lose a scholarship. Mm. If you have a concealed carry permit, you lose, you lose it. Oh, no. I mean, you, you hold a government office, you're in, you're in jeopardy. Mm. So th this, this was, and, and then they sought, the attorney and the three supervisors sought to have the judge enforce that the sheriffs must enforce the order. Mm chain the building and arrest the people if necessary. Could you imagine, I can't imagine. that visual? I can't. And I, I just said, do it. You know, I, you're Caesar, but he's God. Yes, exactly. And, and, and we're going to worship him. Mm -hmm. You do whatever you need to do. Mm. You want to arrest us, then arrest us. We're mm. not going to fight you, but we're going to worship. You have a prison ministry then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we're still going to worship. Uh -huh. You can't stop people from doing that. Yeah. Watching church online is like watching a fireplace. Oh, that's a good point. You can see it and you can hear it, but you don't feel the warmth. Yeah. No, the interaction. Right. Yeah, there's so much. So mm -hmm. we violated it on, uh, on a Sunday. And this is one of the coolest things, Becca, is when I arrived at the church that morning, and, and we, were, we had no idea how, how to handle the crowds. We knew it was going to be a circus. Churches and Christians and even atheists and agnostics showed up from all over the Western states and other parts of the mm -hmm. United States, and they surrounded our building, and their, their, their reason why they did that is they said, we want to take the citation so you can worship in peace. <laughs> One of my favorite po um, uh, posters that somebody was holding up outside uh -huh. the church, and uh -huh. there's a picture of it, and they didn't want to run this in the media, but it was the coolest. I'll never forget it. It was a... It was a guy holding up a poster that said, it took this S-H-I, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, Tom, S-H-I, to get this atheist to church. Oh, how about that? And, and he was out there saying, wow. we're supporting this. Mm -hmm. This is freedom. Yes, yes. And yes. liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. Yes. And if, if we don't defend it, we lose yes. it. Mm -hmm. This isn't... This isn't totalitarianism like the USSR. Mm. There's no gulags. Mm. There's, there's... Not yet. Well, <laughs> but, but let me explain what I mean. Okay. It's not being enforced by jackboots or the Red Army. Mm. This is a new type of, a, of authoritarianism. Okay. Uh, and, 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 it, and conservatives, freedom-loving conservatives, have no idea what they've been hit with, and neither does the mm. church. Mm -hmm. Because... When they look at these young people at college, they call them snowflakes, and the comment from conservatives is, they'll, they'll straighten out once they get a real job. 
Once they get out of college, they're, they're going to see what life's all about, and they'll mm -hmm. become conservatives. No, that's not what happened. They went to these institutions that were teaching critical race theory. Uh, they went to these institutions that, that had no absolute truth. Uh, uh, truth was subjective. Hmm. Uh, they, were, they were indoctrinated, not educated. And, and they came out with degrees, spending money they didn't have for degrees that meant nothing. But then all the conservatives says, you know, they're, they're snowflakes, they won't survive, they have their safe space areas, and they bemoan them. They came out of those universities and they became doctors, they became teachers, they became CEOs mm -hmm. of business, and they have, they have infused in the institutions of America mm -hmm. the campus education they received. Uh -huh. So now critical race theory is at every institution in America, including our schools of higher learning, and now we have the cancel culture. And the way that authoritarianism works now is not by the heavy hand of the government, but by the culture, the cultural influence of the elites. Hmm. Well and, said. And they subject, they, they exchange the truth for a lie, and they say, truth is what we say it is because we run culture. And politics is downstream from culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, and the nefarious aspect of it is the church doesn't participate in politics. And the critical race theory, they, they do intersectionality where they take victim groups. Right. And they, that you, you, are, you are valued based on your victimhood. Mm. So as a white, heterosexual, male Christian... You're in trouble. I'm at the bottom <laughs> because... I'm favored and enlightenment thinkers and the scientific method and empirical data are all a white man's privilege. Well, or, or, or a, a white man's design okay. to, to maintain control mm. over society. So they reject truth, they reject the scientific method, they reject mm. the enlightenment thinkers, and they've now infused for the protection of what they want to declare as truth. So now high on the totem pole are the the intersectionality of victims. So you, you would you would have in our culture, um, let's just say, black, lesbian, um, transgender, mm. uh, atheist. Okay. Well, let's just forget about the sexual preference. Let's forget about the transgender side of it or the heterosexual side of it. Let's forget about the content of melanin. Those are irrelevant. Take those out. Mm -hmm. Flip those upside down. What the church doesn't realize is this is a battle between God's way and man's way. Man enslaves, God sets free. Mm -hmm. They don't care about my skin color. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just a tool to get rid of God. Yeah. And the way they get power is not by truth. They no longer deal with semantics. Meanings of words have no meaning anymore. Hmm. So when they use the word social justice, our young people go, oh, social ills, the justice of God, I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I get that. Why wouldn't the kids want that? Mm -hmm. When you're young, remember that creator. That's when you're passionate. Mm -hmm. But to the critical race theorist, BLM Inc., it's not social justice in the semantics that yes. we've been educated yeah. with. It is in infusing and demanding your rightful place to rule by your political authority, and you will declare what the truth is. Exactly. So the church doesn't do politics 
but this intersectionality of victim groups does and they are thumping the church and the church is bowing in submission by putting up black tiles not having any clue what they're doing mm-hmm. and BLM Inc. doesn't help the inner mm-hmm. city yeah and and whenever you if you say you say lives matter all lives matter you're a racist mm-hmm. I thought when you put a color in front of lives that was racist mm-hmm. and and now you're separated by melanin content and you're systemically racist because of an immutable trait God gave you and now we destroy it, it, truth exactly. and exchange it for a yes, lie. Yeah, isn't that where it's? It, I mean, that's the game of the enemy, yeah. right? And so we must awaken the church to the realization that it was never called church. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to vintagemccoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage Report. We'll see you there.